0: Welcome to my podcast, Two Whiskies and a Cigar. I'm your host, Frankie Sabini. This podcast's sole purpose is to bring you knowledge, motivation and help within your chosen industry or sport. I'll be sitting down each week to talk to people who have either achieved a high level of success in business or sport and individuals who have amazing skills and experiences that the world needs to hear. My aim is to help as many people as I can by gaining insights from industry leaders and athletes. So please, pour yourself a whiskey, light a cigar, sit back and enjoy. Today we have Liam Chong, a physiotherapist, personal trainer and an athlete. Liam plays ice hockey and represents his Great Britain at a junior level. Although Liam still plays ice hockey, he's he's now focused on building his business and brand and looking to open his first clinic in the new year. Specialising in physiotherapy, rehab, performance training, and online coaching. Liam, welcome to the show.
1: Thanks for having me, Frankie.
0: That's all right. I appreciate, it, mate. We uh, we've known each other for obviously a long, long time. Um, we used to play ice hockey against each other as juniors, and then played with each other. I much prefer playing with you because you always scored a lot of goals against me. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> but um, I wanted to get you on today because obviously. Uh, everything you do you seem to be good at everything you do pretty much like you you excel at hockey you're excelling in in like from from my eyes in in the physio like physiotherapy world now as well um I just want to start sort of from the beginning like what I'm assuming the ice hockey and and physiotherapy sort of went hand in hand obviously being involved in sports but what got you into hockey to start with and then what built your passion up towards see what you do now?
1: Oh, that's an interesting one. I think uh, I think I had an ice skating birthday when I was about seven. And uh, and as my friends always like to say about me, you just seem to be good at anything that you do. I uh, I managed to be able to ice skate quite well the first time I ever on the ice. And uh, around that time, I think they were offering, like learn how to play ice hockey at the time. So you could just drop in. And I, I was picking up, I think it up quite quickly and it was kind of a it's kind of gone from there really um it wasn't it's not the most popular sport ice hockey in the UK I was playing football at the time and I was I was half decent at that as well and then I just seemed to like ice hockey and I I seemed to get better and better at it and then there came a point where I had to pick between football and ice hockey and at the time I didn't really like uh, going out on a cold Sunday morning and playing football so I opted for the ice rink because it was indoors um, <laughs> so yeah, hobbies, hockey hockey has been a big big part of my life and it's it's taken me all over the world and I've met loads of cool people including myself um, I've got friends all over the world um, as to how it kind of got me into physiotherapy um, it, it I guess one of the reasons is I mean, I'm, I'm from a, a family of doctors and I never made it as a doctor. So, failed doctor, go into physio. But nah, that's always the joke. <laughs> but, uh, no, I mean, mainly through experience myself. I mean, I, I came back from America when I was 18 uh, and I started playing um, semi-professionally and then professionally in the UK. And, you know, through no fault of my own, I had some pretty horrific injuries quite early on. And every time that I had an injury, I went to see a physiotherapist and rehabilitated myself and got back to playing. And I think having a bit of skin in the game and just understanding the process, I I really enjoyed what I did with my physiotherapist. I really valued their advice and their expertise and, and every time it worked. So for me, mm. I thought, Oh, that's a job that one involves stuff. that I like sport, exercise, science, two helps people. And three, you know, was, seemed really sociable. And, and that's a quality that, that, I like to kind of use. So it kind of all kind of fell into place, really, more than anything.
0: Yeah, nice. Um <clears throat> obviously I know your 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 man's a doctor. Is your mum a doctor as well?
1: So my dad's not a doctor, my dad's a pharmacist. My oh. dad was a pharmacist. And then all of his brothers and sisters are all doctors and all of their kids are doctors. So uh yeah, that's what that's where I'm the failure.
0: <laughs> That'd probably say your dad's a failure ph- as well, not being a doctor, just a pharmacist. Yeah, yeah. <laughs>
1: <laughs> so just keep passing on yeah. Mike is not a doctor, I'll be disappointed.
0: Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um so you you represented Great Britain. What age did you represent Great Britain at?
1: Oh, I think I must have been. I mean, the setup was so I played for England from the age of about 12. So we did under 13s, under 14s, under 15s, under 16s and then it transfers over to the to the Great Britain team. So I played for I think it must have been around 16 at the time, and then I'd played all the age groups that that you could. Um, so, yeah, I think that's around 16 or 17, it must have been. It's a long time ago now.
0: Yeah. you went out to Canada, didn't you?
1: The States. Or... I went to North Canada. Yeah, yeah, I lived in the yeah. upstate New
0: York. Oh, did you? How was that?
1: Amazing. That uh, experience of a lifetime. Um, I, I had that it's, it's funny I had a conversation recently with somebody and uh, you know they were talking about oh you know what made you go out there and obviously I, I went out there with every like every other British kid in the hope of trying to make it to the NHL and I think I went out there at 16 and realized oh bloody hell this is a lot harder than it than it seems Um I think I probably went out there a little bit too late and then even in hindsight now I don't think I would have made it to the NHL but you know <laughs> you, you, I think you have to go out earlier you have to go mm-hmm. out there when you're like 13 and and at the time when I was 12 or 13 I actually got scouted to go out there when I was 13 but but my mum wouldn't let me go I had to do my GCSEs um but that kind of period of time between 12 and 13 to 16 was a really really big period of time where development is so super 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 important and we can kind of look at research and everything we know about athletic and you know adolescence kind of development in that period of time um but no, it was, it was a fantastic opportunity. And even though I didn't kind of make make it to where I wanted to, you know, I had a fantastic experience. I've made loads of good friends. I've got loads of great connections out there. So, yeah, I, nothing but, you know, positive memories from back there.
0: So obviously, I, I never got to play out in any other country, really. Um, what What's the main difference? Obviously, skill-wise, they're, they're levels above us in the UK. But what's the main difference? Is like the mentality different out there playing hockey?
1: Yeah, yeah, hundred percent. uh I think, athlete. I, I, I talked about athletic development a minute ago, and and that's one of the biggest things. I went out there. I was ten stone, soaking wet, and the first things my coach said to me is, "I like, you need to put on weight." So they put me on a diet of creatine and calories for two years, and I went out there ten stone, come back fourteen stone. So it's a lot more physical out there, and and the commitment to you know uh, exercise away from the ice rink so getting in the gym and that was another thing that kind of i guess may have kind of pushed me towards doing things like personal training and physiotherapy because i could see the benefit of of physical development through exercise so yeah the mentality hmm. is you know and you and when you're surrounded by people that all are as good as you it can only push you harder and harder and harder and, that, and i think that's a key thing for for anyone wanting to get better at what they do is you know surround yourself with really really talented people people that are going to push you on because that's that's the best environment to be in that's the best environment you're going to thrive in
0: yeah it's good advice when when you come back over to the UK from playing in, in North America was it did you feel like it was a big step down or did you feel you were a lot ahead of the game over here or, or was it sort of like you just eased back into it like nevertheless never left because you're sure. I don't, I don't mean that as sounding muggy as everyone else who played like, with us and around us, but anyone who watches you knows that you see the game in a completely different way than anyone else does. You, you skate better than everybody else, and it looks like you're gliding. <laughs> you, you seem to be able to create goals out of nothing. That is, to me, it's like it, you come back. It was good when you went, and you come back at a whole new level. I didn't feel like that when you come back.
1: I don't really know. I think it's a difficult one. I mean, when I when I came back, I guess I think when I went out there and I realized I was never ever going to make it, I lost a, a little bit of passion for the sport in the sense that I kind of thought, well, I'm not going to to make it where I want to go. So I, it kind of took away my not not passion, but you know, I thought, oh, I have to prioritize other things, and and, and that's probably obviously why I might have done. You know, I've moved into another career, another profession. Um, but I I, I guess just playing at a better level um and really pushing yourself. I mean, I really I was really lucky I went out there with uh Dan Scott, who's another ice hockey player, and uh, you know, he's a super motivated person. And we both used to like kind of egg each other on and complete like always com- like compete against each other. And I think when you're when you're playing at a better level, you have to make decisions quicker and and being challenged like that only kind of improved my, I guess, the qualities I already had. So you know, I went back, I was stronger, so I was faster and because I'm maybe faster again, it just gives you more time to, to make decisions um, but I I don't know whether that's just something that I'm lucky that I, I was born with or something that I've developed over years and years of playing lots and lots of different sports really? because again, I, I, my friends always joke about it and they, just, they get really annoyed at me because they always think oh, I can do any sport, I can kind of pick up and I can have a, a rough idea of how to do and I think it's just whether it's genetics or it's it's uh what's the word coordination or something like that I just seem to that's how I see sport I know when I watch sport say like a sorry, I sorry, kind of sorry, like a coach I'm kind of watching sorry, the overall play and thinking sorry mate, can you, like can you go
0: when you watch sport again my um I've got a notification it, it cut off a second. Sorry, mate.
1: That's fine. I said I know that when I watch sport, I kind of watch it from in a like a I think of it, I watch it like like I'm watching a match of chess and I'm always sitting there thinking, okay, that person should pass there. And if they pass there, they should pass there. So I kind of always look at sport in a in an overarching way as opposed to I don't really just like follow the ball or follow the the puck or anything like that. I'm kind of thinking about okay, what should I do? What should I do? And and that's one of the things that I really really encourage people to do is to play lots of different sports because and it's the same with physio it's the same way i approach physio is that i don't just read about physio i read about loads of different things i read about philosophy and i read about physics and i read about social sciences because i think the broader your skills are whether that's in education or sport they they are transferable skills from those other things that will only ever enhance what you do or what you already do so for me, playing things like basketball or football or tennis, they're different sports, but they allow you to to use your brain in a different way. So when I play ice hockey, maybe when, when I'm, I've am i got the puck at my stick, I just see more options. I can't yeah. explain it.
0: No, I, I do agree because I, I was similar to you. When I I, I started boxing when I was three, um, and then it was always boxing, tennis and ice hockey alongside each other. And then ice hockey dropped off probably when I started getting better at hockey. So 10, 12, 10 to a 12 or something like that. And then boxing was always that constant. And then at 16, I dropped boxing completely to, to just focus on hockey. But it's having them different skills what other people in your team don't have. And I think you do you do notice that, obviously, I'm a goalie. So the boxing and the tennis help my reactions to other goalies who just focus on just being in goal. Um, so no, I definitely do agree with that. There's a couple of things I want to pick up on, but from what you just said, but one of them is: Have you ever thought of going into coaching? Because the way you see the game, I think mean, you'd be good.
1: No, no, I don't know. I, I don't know. I've thought about it. Um, I think I'd be I'd be too much. I don't. I think I'd be one of those coaches everyone hates because I'd be I'd be too pedantic about how I want people to play and what I want them to do. Um, I do like it. I mean, like I like. When I play sometimes, I like you might see me. I'm one of those people. You see me sometimes on face offs, and I'm saying, You go over there and you stand there. And like, I like the tactical element of it. I like that side of it. I just, I don't know if I, I don't know. I don't know if my man management skills would be up to it. Um, i piss people off, I reckon.
0: You need to skip the junior setup and go straight to like a pro setup, don't you?
1: I reckon so. Yeah, I think. I think I, if, if if there was ever an opportunity for me to be able to do that, then maybe that would be the option. But I don't know if that's feasible these days.
0: <laughs> um, so something else I want to pick up on. So you read a lot of like uh, uh, different elements, like um, philosophy, and that helps with your physiotherapy. How does that help? And how does that translate? How does it help? Um,
1: I, I i believe re- reading is a skill right and it's like anything else that you do the more you read the better you get at it it's, it's 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 exercise for the brain and i think the same as as i said during sport if you train in lots of different ways and you do lots of different things if you read lots of different things your brain is just has a much greater capacity um i read things that anything that kind of interests me uh, i have a rule of thumb if i'm reading something and i don't really enjoy it you know i just put it down and i'll pick up something else and read it um but i mean if you if you have a a wide breadth of things that you read i just think it it just makes you a better and more rounded person i mean things like philosophy are great i mean these are i mean people might have heard of like the daily stoic and stuff like that and just i think willie p is always sharing it all the time (laughs) Uh, it's good it just i mean it's if you look at things like that it's, it's it's ways to live your life and how to live your life and for somebody for me that's very very driven it's a good way to you know pick up small elements the ways that I think that I can better myself or how I should think about things or how I should respond to people or you know it's not just always about you know me 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 it's how how I influence other people as well um another other one other that I just like reading for enjoyment really it's quite relaxing
0: have you heard of the book, I'm Surrounded by Idiots? No. <laughs> no. Um, so it's, it's actually a really good book. So it it basically says everybody fits into one of four categories, and this is your personality. So it, it breaks you up into colours so like red, yellow, blue, green. And it goes through what your, what, what your personality traits in each colour is, and then you do a test at the end to see what colour you are. But what it does is, is help you understand, well, it helped me a lot, understand why I do certain things and why I react in certain ways, because I am this particular uh, colour or this particular personality. But what it does as well, which I think probably might help you in, with, within your physio, is it teaches you how, so you, you look at other people and see what colour they are, then you automatically know, right, you respond to this, this and this. So this is how I can communicate with you better. Much like what well, yeah. well, quite interesting, you. Yeah.
1: No, definitely. I mean, I've, we've done we've I've done stuff like that before. We've done um, like personality tests mm. uh, in, in a similar sort of fashion. So, again, they often have varied domains based on what personality type you are and how you respond to <laughs> respond to people and so on, like that. So, it's it's really really useful because I think sometimes I can pick that up just by talking to somebody what their personality. Is and, and and that will determine the way that you speak to them and how you deal with them you know some people that you know you might have had someone's got a type a personality someone's got a type a personality you know they just want things done to the letter on time they want things done yesterday you know they're 100 so that's an easy person to work with if you're a physiotherapist because you say to them this is your goal this is what you need to do if you do this regularly you will achieve said goal whereas if you get other people that come in you know a little bit diminutive a little bit shy they're not so confident in themselves you know you have to take a different approach to that sort of person you might have to really really encourage them you might have to send them a few more messages here and there just to remind them what they need to do or to you know give them positive feedback and praise and really really kind of get them motivated there's there's so many different ways that you can look at it but that's what's that's what makes people interesting, right? No one's the same, and you can't use, you know, the same approach. And again, I think coming back to having a wide breadth of knowledge and reading is that's really, really useful because having that gives you a really wide and uh, not wide, but a large tool belt. And then at any point, if one tool's not working, you can reach around the back and oh, let's try this other tool. This might work with this person. And so it doesn't limit you in your practice or or what you're trying to achieve.
0: Mm. No, definitely. I agree. Um, so we know, obviously, why you got into physiotherapy. but like how did you get into physiotherapy?
1: A lot, actually. I went I went to, when I was at school in the uh, States, I actually got accepted into college. So I got accepted into four or five different universities or college at the time. Um, and then at the time, the cost of uh, being an international student with no scholarship was looking a little bit unrealistic to go out there so i came back here because university at the time was only about three grand um and academically i'm 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 relatively intelligent I've, I've got i've got good grades so i came back to the uk and i applied to do physiotherapy at university just because I, again when i, I think i'm in in the states we had to go to these classes it was like what you would be good at so you'd fill out these questions of things that you like doing and physiotherapist happens to be one of the things that I was recommending doing based on my personality. I think it was that um, something in like recruitment, something else in like consulting or something like that. There was like a variety of jobs you could pick from based on your personality. So I looked at doing physiotherapy when I returned to the UK and I, and I applied to a couple of universities when I got back and they were just like, we don't recognize your American high school qualifications. So you need to go back and uh, do a levels. So I was like, Oh, bloody hell. I don't, don't fancy doing any more education. I've just done two years of that. So, uh, so that's when I actually became a personal trainer. So I wouldn't just started working at the time uh, and did my personal training qualification just because that was like three or six months of doing that it wasn't too difficult and you could work at the same time. So I had enough of education at the time. Uh, and, and whilst I was doing that, I was just playing in the, in the UK setup. So I played semi-professionally. I played for the Invicta Dynamos when I first got back. Uh, and then I had a two-way contract with the Basingstoke Bison, did a little bit of the Slough Jets, uh, and then the year following that I uh, I signed with Basingstoke um, but all throughout my time that I was um, playing in the it was the EPL at the time I was always going to I would start going to night classes so my first year at Basingstoke I went to like a community college and I started doing some A-levels I did some A-level chemistry and biology because if I got those A-levels then I could reapply to do physiotherapy um, but uh, that season I had a horrific injury to my wrist um, which ended up me not being able to complete the course go move back to Chelmsford with a dodgy wrist because I couldn't live by myself I couldn't drive because I was in a cast for about 12 weeks uh so that that didn't end up well the season I returned I just wanted to play hockey because I was fed up of everything at that time uh and then the second year that I went back to Manchester I went to community college again and I did like an act it's called an access course so uh, I just went back to college I used to, do a couple of, I used to go there a couple of days uh, a week and again I used to just do my studying when I wasn't playing hockey so throughout my kind of my whole hockey career my whole life I've always been doing some sort of education because I knew that I wanted to go to university and I knew that that was something that I needed it's almost like that's the entry level you know get to university get a degree then I can start looking at my, my other options and it's probably influence obviously because I, all of my family have gone to university I don't think that I don't always think that's the right thing to do today I think you know don't feel pressured that you have to do a degree because lots and lots of other successful people don't have them but mm. if you want to do something like a, a vocation like physiotherapy or medicine or dentistry then obviously you have to go to university um so yeah so yeah so yeah, so yeah my, my, my final year at Manchester I started applying for university again when I was doing my college stuff and just got rejected by all of it. Applied, applied to five universities and got rejected, 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 rejected. It's because my personal statement wasn't good enough. Because academically at the time, I i met all the criteria. I just my personal statement was poor. Um, what do you mean
0: by personal statement? So I never went to uni. So what what's what's your personal statement?
1: I had the I had the equivalent of like straight A's grades wise. So every time that I got rejected, I spoke to the kind of the the people in admissions and and they they just said no you're you're fine academically they said you just your personal statement didn't show enough insight into the industry and I was like oh and it's because when I went to apply for physiotherapy I'd came at it from a very very sporting background and I think a lot of people don't realize in physiotherapy there's so many different types of physio so MSK physio or sports physio is just one type of physiotherapy there's neurological physiotherapy there's respiratory physiotherapy there's and pediatric physiotherapy so when I wrote my kind of statement as to why I wanted to do it I just said I love sports I want to be a physio and they were like no 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 so I didn't and uh and and it was only I think that year so I did I got rejected by all of them and I ended up going through clearing and uh and at the time I luckily got into a course which happened to be in East London and uh yeah so I again I never I, I kind of had to go through a lot to try and just get into university, um, and then it, it, it all just worked out in the end. I, I played hockey semi-pro for the Raiders whilst I was whilst I was doing that, and I just started building my own personal training in private business. And then, uh, and, then I, and then I ended up finishing with a first-class degree. So I always wanted to go up to the people that rejected me and be like, ah, "I told you I could do this."
0: So. Yeah, like a pretty woman moment. Yeah, just yeah. <laughs> stay angry, just shift it back in their face. Yeah, I know. So what, what give you the motivation to carry on? Because obviously playing hockey does take a lot of time, especially at sort of APL level. Um, even at like Raiders level, it takes a lot of time out at your week. So to do that, plus obviously going to n- night school and keep reapplying, keep getting rejected, what what kept that motivation up for you?
1: Just a re, I think just a relentless desire to be better. I always, I just, I'm someone that just, I put a lot of pressure on myself and I, and I want to be as good as I possibly can do. I think you've got one life I've got, to, you know, keep going, just keep going, keep going. I think one thing, you know, I'd highly recommend for anyone is just be consistent, just consistently do things, just keep going, 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 because at some point you'll get an opportunity. I think, you know, if you're consistent all the time, opportunities arise luck luck happens right and if you're in the right place at the right time and you've been consistent up until that point then you can show people all of the qualities that you've you've built and developed over that time um you Mm. know there's always always a a big element of luck to it as well like i said i was lucky that there was a a place in clearing and lucky at the time because i'd still been educating myself and pushing myself at the time when i went to the clearing i got through that and that was absolutely fine um with hockey i mean it's I mean, I've been really, really lucky over the, through the years that I've played kind of semi-pro because uh, all of the teams that I've I've played for, they've let me kind of get away with not training. So that's,
0: that's not lucky. That's just because how good you are. No one else can do that. Yeah,
1: no, yeah I mean, I'm lucky. I know it pretty pisses people off, but it's just I, I didn't have the time. So obviously, when I was when I was at university, I used to try and I try and make training. I quite like training. It's just sometimes a lack of time. So where I would have to be at university, I'd prioritize that. But I'm the sort of person again, it's again coming down to that consistency is that I'm always I always look after myself. I always look after my fitness. So, you know, I can take a a year away from hockey, but because I keep my, my fitness all the time, when I get back to playing again, it just takes me a couple of weeks to kind of get back in the swing of things. And I think that again, I think if you go all the way back, you know, my my basic skills of being able to skate, stick handle shoot all the things that you need to do right they're pretty much ingrained in my brain you know i spent so many hours as a kid shooting pucks you can ask mick harvey i mean me and frankie harvey used to go around his, used to go around his house and we'd go in his garden we spent the weekend and we'd shoot about a thousand pucks we'd break his dad's shed and his fence um i used to have to stand maybe. in front of them yeah i know some boys when we used to play i mean we used to play street hockey every single day so you know your your fundamental skills are there you just need to and again it's it's scientifically proven you know that neural pathway from your brain to your body has been developed and it's been developed well over a period of 20 years of playing so as long as you keep yourself fit and well when you return to doing it you will be able to do that
0: so So, sorry go on no no go on it's fine so i was going to say so obviously you, you mentioned a couple of times about your your neural process of of remembering and and keeping them skilled and then you said there's a few different types of physiotherapy you could get into like do you do you have that side of the neuro side in your physiotherapy as well because as you said a lot of people just think it's uh just a sports therapy like for me it's just oh i've got an injury i'll just go to sports therapy a bit of rehab get back into it again
1: yeah, yeah, no, no, physiotherapy is a really, really good profession. It's, it's something that there's, there's lots of different things that you can do in physiotherapy. So when you finish or when, when you study physiotherapy, you study all types of physiotherapy. So the main ones you have is what we call musculoskeletal physiotherapy. So that's one that most people associate with it, which is injuries, backs, mm. knees, hips, shoulders, whatever you want to call it. And then you have respiratory physiotherapy, so that's people that have lung diseases, um, cystic fibrosis, COPD, asthma, you know, and then you've also got neurological physiotherapy, which are things like people that have brain injuries, so from like a traumatic brain injury to Parkinson's to multiple sclerosis to things like that. So you've got quite a, a wide breadth of knowledge And then obviously, when you qualify, you go into the hospital setting, a lot of people do, and you do something called rotations, is what junior doctors do. And you go around and you spend six months on each specialty, and you get kind of real world experience. So from that, you kind of pick what you like to do, and then you specialize in that area. So I went along and did all types of physio. So I did my neuro, I did my respiratory, I did my orthopedics, orthopedics. And then from that point onwards, I kind of know, I already kind of knew I liked the kind of the sports physio sort of thing and that background. So I just kind of doubled down in that. But again, having that wide breadth of knowledge, it translates to other things. So someone comes in with a, I don't know, back injury, then you can be screening their lungs and their heart and you can be screening their, you know, neurological processes. There's lots of different things you're always thinking about. So yeah like I said the the neuro side of things really interesting I really enjoy that I did neurophysio and I work with people with with brain injuries and and multiple sclerosis and post-stroke and stuff like that and uh like I said you learn a lot about how the the brain works and how it functions Mm -hmm. and if you bring up a lot about that obviously that carries over to like I said motor learning motor patterns and that's all the things that we discussed like I said learning skills it's skill development but obviously in a much regressed fashion when you're talking about you know skating around five people and banging it top titty is much different to that than you know bringing your hand to your mouth but the but the process is the same mm-hmm. you know you your brain still has to send a message to your hand to reach out in front of you to grab the cup to bring it to your mouth that's a more simple process than like i said skating i always remember there's that famous quote I think it's like Brendan Shanahan. He says, why is hockey the greatest sport, the most difficult sport in the world? And it's like, because you have to be tough. You have to be fast. You have to be strong. You have to be able to do all of that. Shoot. People are trying to hit you at the same time, all on a blade that's half of an inch thick. Mm -hmm. And uh, there's a lot going on in ice hockey.
0: Yeah, no, definitely. Um, so tell me about your, what you're doing at the moment with your physiotherapy thing, because obviously you've got your clinic, you've got your, like, your rehab, your personal training. Um, tell me a bit more about that.
1: So, so I, I've just, I was, I'm working privately full time. So I was working up in, in central London and I've just moved back a little bit closer to home because my, my goal has always been to, to have my own physiotherapy clinic. And I think this is kind of the time to start working on that so at the moment i'm working part-time in a private hospital um, doing physiotherapy there i have my own um kind of private physiotherapy patients that i see away from that under my own kind of physiotherapy that's called movement physiotherapy which is um it's something i'm in partnership with another physio uh who's my friend called alex um so we're just in the process of building our clinic and setting that up um, but in the meantime, I just work between a facility, which is opposite um, at Ice ring called Powering Through Performance. Um, that's a strength and conditioning gym, but we have space there to do physio. And then I also still work up in central London. So I work, um, it's just kind of just off Harley Street in a, again, a similar facility. It's a gym with a, with a clinic room. Um, and then I also do a bunch of online stuff as well. So I do physiotherapy online, I do personal training online and I have clients all over the world from Thailand to Dubai. Um, I do online programming for people so again it just gives me a little bit more accessibility with what I can do Um, so it's a real real mixed bag Mm. Um, and and I'm just trying to develop all of those avenues really Um, because like I said one of the things that I struggle with is I get bored easily so I don't like just doing the same thing over and over and over again so at the moment I've got a real nice variety of things that I do and it keeps it keeps that kind of passion and you know I think for anyone to ever be successful I think you know having the mentality that not that you're not not that you're not good enough but it's almost like I've I always feel a bit of imposter syndrome so I always feel like you know I can't believe I'm here I, I shouldn't really be here I you know I need to keep you know justifying why I'm here so so that's what drives me that's what makes me read more papers you know go and learn from smarter people really just push myself on and like I said I think it's all about the environments that you set yourself in so you know powering through performance is the place I spend most of my time and I'm surrounded by you know top class strength coaches powerlifting coaches and, athletes. and And being in that environment only pushes you on. And it's the same with physiotherapy. It's why I like working up in London. You know, you're working around the best of the best with the best surgeons. And it's, it's, you know, it's one of the things someone always said to me was, you know, go into the room and always, you know, be the, be the dumbest person in the room because you're only ever going to learn. Yeah.
0: Yeah. It's great advice. (laughs) I've always followed that as well.
1: Pardon, sorry, say again.
0: I I said, no, that's, that's great advice. I've always followed that as well. Um, if you if you think you're the smartest in the room, you're you're not
1: you're not learning. You won't be learning. No. Uh, and I said it is this. It's all about environment. I think you know that, that's one of the, the key things, is, is environment and you know, and, and, and if I look back on you know my ice hockey career, that you know, the most successful team I was on was, was a team full of young athletic people. They're all again at the same time when I played at Manchester, all the other people were people that were doing things like university degrees, colleges, they all had their own all they had their own businesses on the side of it. And again, we were just a really, really group of really like a there was just a good group of people that are really really motivated. And obviously we could extrapolate that and put it onto the ice and and we and that season we we won the league, that season we won the playoffs. Mm. Uh, and I think that was the key.
0: Yeah, definitely. Um so Manchester was the the sort of most successful team you was on. All, all the...
1: the most successful team yes with trophies I also had a pretty successful season one season with the, with the Chieftains that was a good one I mean we I mean if you're talking about senior hockey I think one of the junior teams I played on which is the team that you played on with me at Romford when we were at I think we were under 14s or something I mean that was a really really successful team and yeah a, you know yeah, I've, I've been lucky. I've been part of uh, teams, a lot of teams that have won things. I've also been on teams that have been spanked by, you know, other teams as well. So uh, Manchester was great. It was a, that was a, that was one of my favourite hockey experiences, definitely. Mm.
0: Was that so? I I had a chance to um, possibly go up and play for Manchester when I was sixteen. I played EPL uh, Raiders against Manchester. Come on after the first period because the goalie at the time. Didn't have a good game at all. Got pulled, nearly, nearly, uh, nearly forfeit the game because obviously I was, I was still a junior, hadn't actually played any senior hockey yet. I went on. Um, Tony Hand had a one timer on the uh, sort of middle of the crease by the hash marks. Come across. That's his spot. That's his spot. That's his spot. I, I come across. Got got through. Hit me in the the lid. My lid fell off. Like literally flew back. Jumped straight back up. Ready for the next shot. It landed at Tony Hand, and obviously the, the, the whistle went. And he come up to me after, and went, i never in a million years thought you was going to get there." He went, "That was one of the best sides I've, I've seen." Obviously, a 16 year old kid, someone like Tony Hand, saying that. Um, and then there was like sort of talks that there might be an opportunity for me to be able to sort of go and train uh, up in Manchester. I never took it because I, I would have got homesick, I think. But like, right, what was it like playing with someone like Tony Hand? Like, he just he's got that aura about him, and he
1: yeah he's an interesting character a really really good guy um he's tough he's tough on you and he's got high standards i think really really high standards you know um he really really get on people's cases if you're not if you're not playing you know if you're not playing up to the standard and and i think that you know sometimes i was on the end of a bollocking but um but it was a it was it was really really good because like i said it just you know, if you want to be successful, there, you there can't be mistakes. And we would do things at training like we repeat drills over and over and again. Then we'd have to skate and we'd have to do like you know. Sometimes we got bag skated because we didn't do things the way that he wanted them to. But no, I mean, I mean, he's someone that I massively, massively admire, and I and I try to, you know, try to replicate my game. I think in in the latter stage of my career, a little bit more like him. Just you know, trying to be really careful and conserve my energy and, and be good with my passing and decisions that I make but he's just he's you know I've never I've never seen someone with a with a, a better hockey brain than him mm. he's another one he's 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 skating around his head's up you got and at the time as well I think when we were playing I mean I think it was his late 40s and his early 50s and he's and he's still banging in hundred points a season and again it's just because he's smart you know mm. and he's he's another one he sets him you know for someone that you know, you don't get to late 40s playing hockey if you're not consistent. And he's someone that he'd always be, he'd, he'd get down the gym, you know, he, he's in shape. Uh, mm-hmm. He's quite hard in training, he'd always be putting the effort in. So, yeah, he's a really, really inspirational guy. I was also quite lucky as well. My, uh, the, the, when I played at Basingstoke, we had Steve Moria, who was there as well, another ice hockey legend in the UK and he's much the same as Tony, different personality, completely, completely mm. different personality. But in terms of that kind of, you know, elite mentality, you know, you can see why they were as successful as they were. Because again, Moria, we we used to do spinning after training, I think on a Thursday. And he's bear in mind he was he was definitely in his fifties when we were playing. And he was giving it like you know, we've just done an hour and a half training and he's smashing on the spin bikes and we were all faking turning it. And <laughs> Like I said earlier, it's all about consistency and it's something that, you know, I definitely have definitely benefited from because that, that mentality. And again, it's just being around the right people. You see people like that. You want to emulate them. You want to be, you know, if you want to be fit when you're 50, well, do what these guys
0: do, right? Well, yeah, you can't be fit when you're 50 and start when you're 49, can you?
1: No, no, definitely not.
0: <laughs> Got to, um, it's it's just one of them things, right? I think, mental health and physical health just go hand in hand. And I think it's not not uncommon to see somebody who's physically unhealthy don't have very good mental health and, and then vice versa. If you're physically healthy, you generally have good mental health. Obviously, I don't know the ins and outs of that. You're probably better off explaining that. Like, do, is there like a, a, a real link, like scientific link between that or...?
1: Oh, undoubtedly yeah there's loads of research to kind of show that and uh, and it's it, it's a it's a fascinating subject mental health it's very very uh there, there's, there's a lot to it you know it's not as simple as i just don't feel great there's too many factors that influence that there's your you know you've got your physical health you've got your mental health but within those within those uh domains there are other things so you know your mental health is influenced by your physical uh fitness, your, quality of sleep the stress of your job your socioeconomic status your relationship status um i could probably keep reaming off things but definitely if you're looking at the physical side of things yes uh and again i've got a really good book it's actually right here which i've been reading it's called behave who's a by a guy called robert sapolsky who's a a, a biologist and it talks about you know people why do people behi- behave the way that they do based on Kind of the, the neurochemicals in your brain and so on, um and definitely you know if if you are if you feel good in your body, then you generally feel better because there's there's lots of chemicals going around your body that make you feel better. Mm-hmm. um But then at the same time, you you also got to, you know if you feel good and you look good, you're going to have a lot more self confidence. And if you've got more self confidence, you know that will that will benefit you in many ways. You, you can look into it in so many different ways. I said if you look good then you're going to you might attract more females or males and as a result of that your your relationship's going to be better you know if you're jacked or something like that again you might attract more females or males <laughs> <laughs> you're less likely to get in a fight and someone beat you up you're not going to you know there's there's so many links to it um it'd be too much to go into really and i'm going to go on, and on about it i've got loads of books and that's one of the things that i do like to read i read a lot of social science books about um why people behave in the way that they do. Um, I'm just looking on my extensive bookshelf here on things about that. But definitely looking after, you know, one thing we definitely do know is you know your thoughts and your feelings and your emotions influence the level of pain. So that's that's physical pain. I guess you could look at kind of depression as 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 kind of mental pain to a degree. So like I said, being fit and well can't can't rate it enough.
0: Yeah. So if if you got somebody who's unhealthy physically, unhealthy mentally, but they want to get fit, but they haven't got that drive or that passion because obviously they are overweight, they don't know where to start. Like, what's the best way for them to sort of start and and just make that first step?
1: Finding a why. Okay because you've got to look kind of what what is your goal what are you what are you trying to achieve and why are you trying to achieve it because if you if you haven't really got a goal then that's not, you're not going to want to do what you want to do right mm. I talk to people with this all the time it's one of the things I say to people when they go to the gym like what are you trying to achieve and they'll say say someone says to me oh um you know I really want to get in shape And you'd be like, okay fantastic and then you talk to them about their diet and it's Terrible, and they don't exercise. And you say to them, "Okay, how much does this mean to you? Because if you don't put the time and effort in, you're not going to achieve said goal of getting into shape, right? Yeah. So having having a why behind what you do is 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 super important. It's the same as you know why study. You know why do I read? Because I want to be better at my job. If you want to get better at ice hockey, or you want to get better in business, you know, you know, you've got to do. Like I said, if you if you have a reason, it will prompt you to doing things. And I think you see mm. people all, all over social media today doing lots of different things. So if you want to become better at business, you see people going to like business events, you know, that you can go to, there are networks that you can join. But having a why is I think is the most important thing. Definitely. Find out what it is and why that drives them.
0: So if you're training somebody or somebody comes to you and that they really want to do it but they haven't really found their why yet how is that how does that impact you and, and how you go about obviously getting them to achieve their goals Like, can do you have an effect on that or is it all them
1: no no definitely I'm, I'm here to I'm only here to advise right I'm here to advise and guide so you know if someone's hasn't got a very specific why sometimes it, I say to them just do something and that and might come to you your why you might it's difficult. I'm trying to think of a, a very specific example, but I can't really think of one to mind. But I can think of here we go. I remember I've got one of my clients called Ian. I've been seeing him for a really, really, really long time. And he got me mind me saying this. And and I started I met him through a, a boot camp company that I was working with at the time. And uh he used to do the boot camp and he used to really, really enjoy, it. He used to push himself. And then he came in and, and and spoke to me one day. He's like, Oh, would you mind training me one-to-one? And I was like, okay, yeah, sure. I was like, what do you want to achieve? And he's like, Oh, I'm not really sure. He said, but I feel like I need a bit more pushing. So obviously I was like, okay, that's fine. And then, uh, and then when we actually kind of came around to it, we started doing this kind of weight training with him. And it's one of the things that I like to do with people. And he was really pushing himself, pushing himself. And I was saying to him, you know. Know, he was trying to work out oh he's like i don't really like lifting the weights blah blah, blah 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 and i said to him you know if you do this it will make you stronger and and at the time over a period of time he came back to me and after he started doing it and he came back to me and he said he's like oh he's like do you know what i'm really really glad I've, I've been working with you and i've really kind of built up my strength he said you know what he said i was at the airport the other week and i got to the bottom of the escalator and it wasn't working i was able to pick up my two suitcases and and walk to the top with no problems he goes i've also been able to like pick up my grandson. So sometimes, you know, their why can be retrospective and it t- it took a while for him to realise what he wanted to achieve. And and from that point onwards, you know, I've been training for 10 years now. We've just progressed his strength and strength and strength. And, you know, he's in his 60s now and his goals have slightly changed. But sometimes it's not, you're right, it's not always obvious. But if you just start doing something, it might come to you, right?
0: Mm. So just take that first step.
1: Yeah, 100%. Just do something.
0: And then like what you said earlier, consistency
1: exactly and like i said and i I think i said that earlier that consistency when the opportunity arises or 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 it's the right timing if you've been consistent up until that point things will become obvious or they kind of falls into place call it serendipity if you want but yeah that's that's how i see things
0: yeah no definitely so what how long have you been in physio now 10 12 years
1: no, I've been doing, I've been being a physiotherapist for about six or seven years now. I can't really remember. Uh, but I've been in the fitness industry, I've been a personal trainer since 18. So coming up 12 years, it's a long time. I'm going it's lo-
0: <laughs> you hear me, both mate. Um, um, what, so ha- have you seen a big change within like the industry and in the way people look at fitness and physio in the last sort of 12 years?
1: 100%, massively, massively, massively um i can look at from two different ways i mean the physiotherapy world has has massively changed over the last 10 to 20 years long on are the days where people are doing you know just massage and ultrasound you've got painful ultrasound deal, or i'll just massage this i'll rub this or i'll tape that you know i think more and more research has emerged and and a lot of the the evidence is is directed towards kind of exercise-based interventions don't get me wrong there's a there's a place for for modalities like hands-on therapy so you call it manual therapy massage um shockwave all of the, all of the, all the things you might go and see your normal physiotherapist or sports therapist about but um it's massively changed and people are a lot more proactive uh and and that kind of ties in hand in hand with the fitness industry because more and more people now you know like doing like their own training their online program and they have online coaches um so again you can see kind of i've kind of pivoted with the trend and that's why i do a lot of online physio i do online training i write programs to people i do rehab programs so you know i am not always the most hands on physiotherapist i do do it in my practice but a lot of the people that seek out my expertise uh, come to see me because they have a they have a problem and they have an issue and, and they're looking for a solution um and, and then the way that we approach that is through exercise or you know changing what you're doing, modifying what you're doing. Because like I said, there is a time and a place for the hands-on therapy. And sometimes that's in the very acute stage when you when you need to like say reduce pain or something like that, but it's never really the the long-term solution, you know. You, you, you hear the story all the time people saying oh, i've been going to my physio for six months or for a year and you know he massages me and he does this for me but you still got the back pain so you haven't really addressed what the problem is and that and and that's why i work that way because i i like the, the problem solving approach to physiotherapy this person's got a problem why have they got a problem what are they doing what is causing this problem and that's yeah. what and that's the way kind of i direct it but the, the world you know the research is evolving that uh, you know practices evolving technologies evolving so it's massively massively changed and, and the fitness world is is not is not too dissimilar the thing you'll see in in fitness and also in physiotherapy is things go around in cycles it's a bit like fashion so you know 20 like at the moment we're all saying ultrasound sucks and it doesn't work and acupuncture sucks and it doesn't work but in 20 years time the research might show oh acupuncture is doing something and ultrasound's doing something but you know one of the one of the things as a physiotherapist you have to do is be evidence based. So whatever kind of the evidence shows, it's kind of it's morally the right thing to do that, right? Whereas mm. if I'm gonna if you've got a painful knee and it's a, and we know that ultrasound doesn't really do anything at the moment, it's it's immoral for me to just say, Oh, here's this is here's 50 quid. I'm just gonna put this over your knee. It's probably not doing anything, but
0: Yeah. So obviously you said about the, the trend coming round. So I've had a physio I don't know if you remember I I, I snapped my leg in half when I was like twelve. Yeah. I you remember that. Um, so I've had the same physio since then, but I've had obviously a whole host of different in- injuries. And I went to him about a year ago and I said, oh, I've just bought one of them uh, sports massage guns. And he went, Oh, mate, they're rubbish. I went, I? He went, I've got one from when I very first started. Like, this guy's in his 40s. He was like, I've got one that's 20 years old here. He went, That was a new Raven. I started pulled out like this really old, like, creamy looking. Looked like it's from like the the, the eighties type thing, and was like, it's it's come back round again now. He went, but this is like something where they tend to use twenty years ago, (laughs) and it's like you you don't realise, like you see these trends, and unless you do your research and find out like the history behind whatever you're doing, you don't actually realise that why it's come about or, or where it's come from.
1: Oh yeah, 100 percent And like I said, I can see that myself. I, said, I guess I'm still I'm not relatively new in my career, but you know, I've been a physio for about six or seven years. Um and I know that the physios that I've speak to and I I you know I interact with that sometimes have been qualified for 30 years and we we work in different ways because they work in the ways that they were taught and they were brought up at the time. But one of the things that I make a, a big effort to do is I, you know, I do a lot of reading in physiotherapy and I look back at um say like, like like I've 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 trained I I can do dry needling so I can do stuff like that I'm trained to do shockwave therapy and all of these things I don't always use them and I I think I said it earlier it's good to have lots of different tools in your in your tool belt I don't always agree with it but it's good to to read and understand why you know the history behind it the theory behind it the 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 process the method everything like that because you know at, at some point you might have to use it and it might work I remember I I don't really I don't really do any taping and I had a patient in recently and I was just looking and I was like I can't think why her shoulder she can't move her shoulder right now it's so painful everything she was doing and then all of a sudden I I, I moved her arm in, into a certain position and I held it in a certain way and she could lift her arm up to the side she said like, oh yeah it doesn't hurt doing this and I was like how can I keep her arm in that position so I just taped her arm and all of a sudden she could move her arm and it didn't it didn't hurt and it's like I don't really believe in taping but for that person that was the right thing to do and and a lot of you know we we sometimes overlook in physiotherapy the role of just the relationship that you have with your your physiotherapist like I said you've been with the same physio for however many years and and that's an important thing if you trust that person you're gonna buy into what they want you to do and therefore you'll probably get better we always have to consider in physio that there is something called just the passage of time. So if you leave something, it will probably get better over a period of time. So whether I'm doing something that's really useful or someone's just getting better because time's passed, who knows? But like I said, I'm quite comfortable living in the grey and and having that as the way it is.
0: Yeah, I'm definitely, as you probably know, the type of person who has an injury and leaves it right until the last minute (laughs) to have a look at it. Um, I remember I snapped my finger a few years ago and I was sitting in a change room with you. Chong, does this, this look all right to you? He's like, no, mate, that's, that's not right at all. Just taped it up with on the ice and carried on playing. Turns out...
1: That's why I don't like in ice hockey, because yeah.
0: <laughs> Literally, turns, what one is it? Turns out I snapped that bone all the way down through the joint as well. Um, yeah. I finally got an extra it like a year and a half later. <laughs> but um
1: yeah, guys are tough. They just get on with it, right? And then That's easy. it they're like, oh God, I need to do something now.
0: Yeah. It's, it's you just don't want to miss the next game. That's that's the problem. You just you want to carry on oh, playing
1: That's the that's the hockey mentality, you know. It's you know, it's just, you know, it, it is it's a it's that's where hockey I think is really, really good for people, you know. Hockey player. Most of the people I know that play hockey are, are relatively successful in, in in what they do. And again, it's, it's that mentality, right? You just you're just relentless. You just keep going. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I I think of so many times where you know I have hurt myself in the middle of a match. I'm in absolute agony, but I just keep going, keep going, keep going because you know I don't do that anymore because I, I think oh bloody hell. I think of the consequences. I'm like I'm a physio. I'm like oh if I do this and I keep doing that, I won't to <laughs> yeah. work on Monday. So but no, when you're younger, you just keep going, right? And I think that that's a really Really useful, I guess, skill and attribute to have as just as a person, right?
0: Yeah, definitely. I um, again, it goes back to consistency. If you if you keep going, even though you're in pain, because most of the time, right? Like, and I, I've done this a lot, and I, I don't know. You're obviously you're a lot better player than I, so you might not have done this, but I'll have like a bit of a bad training session, generally in training, because I'm I'm different. I'm a completely different player during a game, but if I am a bad training session, then all of a sudden, my back hurts. My feet start cramping up. I start getting a headache, and I'm, I'm I've got all these excuses. Well, I'm not going to save this shot because this hurts and all that. And then I get like halfway through, and I fit and I make one good save. And also, I'm like, oh, I don't hurt anymore. And then yeah. it's could you carry on? If I got off at that point, I wouldn't have made that good save, and I wouldn't have had the rest of the training session as a plan like playing well. And it's it's weird. Like a lot of the times, I think you can talk yourself into being injured or being hurt when if your mentality is good or strong you can then get yourself through that
1: and and that comes back to what i said earlier like your, your thoughts your feelings your emotions influence the level of your pain and so you know mm. this is some of the problems that have, people have with chronic pain is you know that you know you're in a bad place you know mentally so your pain gets worse and it just spirals out of control whereas you know having that mental fortitude that when things are going bad if i just carry on and be consistent and trust the process It makes you a little bit more resilient.
0: Mm. Yeah, no, hundred percent. Another story of of sort of being resilient. You can ask Gemma this as well. I just signed for Chelmsford again, obviously after I come back, and uh, I broke my foot about three weeks prior. The fourth, I can't remember what the bone was called, but the fourth, like fourth toe in the foot, I broke. And uh, Gemma, that was that metatarsal. Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) Uh, so I I Gemma I've never met Gemma before at this point and uh, she was like I can't let you go on the ice if, if you've got a broken foot I was like no no I'm alright don't hurt she's like no no I've got to like I've got to make sure like sign you off so Joe was there the Bartlets were standing around me and she's got my foot and she's like does this hurt I went, like no no it's alright does this hurt I was like no it's alright I'm like, just tape it up and I'll be fine and she's literally grabbing my foot and squeezing it and pulling it into all different like, positions. And every time she looked away, I'm sitting there going to the bar, it's like, oh, my God, this is killing me. Every time she looks, I was like, no, honestly, I'm right. Take up, I'll be all right. Went on, carried on playing. It took, like, twice as long for it to heal. But again, it's just that like, mental resilience. You just you get you just got to get through it sometimes.
1: Yeah, and I think I think that's important. But at the same time, I think if I put my medical hat on for a little while, I think sometimes that's worth <laughs> where we go wrong a little bit in physiotherapy, where some of the guys try to be a little bit too stoic and they, they try to persevere and they end up with a worse injury. And I, and I do worry sometimes that some of the boys I've played with, you know, that have kind of carried on going, carried on going. So I do worry about their their long-term health and uh, I'll be the first person when someone's going to be like, yep, yeah, you just need to have time off. And, then yeah. it's, and it's just the nature of ice hockey, right? Because it's a short season, you know, games come thick and fast. So, you know, having a six-week period off of sport that you know that's just not okay if you're a hockey coach like I I remember I, I think I broke my thumb one year and I'm sure was on my case he's like get back get back get back and I thought like, Sean I've got a broken thumb man this is my hand for the rest of my life like I'm I'm not right and uh yeah my my approach as a as a, as a more mature person these days is, is you know I'm a little bit more pragmatic about it and I think it's just because I think more about the long-term health of people as opposed to you know the here and now for for British ice hockey, not to, not to dismiss it, but it's, if you're playing the NHL, it's a different scenario, right? Mm. Um, but, yeah.
0: yeah, I kind of used to like living in bliss, but now obviously I'm I'm hitting 30 in a couple well, week and a half time. It's like I really wished I had someone like you sitting there saying, "No, Frank, just don't don't play this week," because I, I feel it now. Like my my hands are, are stiffening up when it gets cold. I dislocated my hip when I was younger, so now I've got sciatica down one side. Um, like there's all a whole host of injuries. Well, I, I went uh, skating with my nephew the other week. My knee was hurt for the rest of the day. It's yeah. little things like that. What well, I'd love to try and tell young sports, like, well, like young athletes, um, listen to your body more. Don't don't be a hero because it's always going to be yeah. there when you come back.
1: And I think some of it also a lot of it is to do with the the, system, the systems and, and structures that are in place. You know, I think that you know, unfortunately, to to hire you know, physiotherapies and sports medicine doctors to be present at professional teams and national teams, and even at a junior level, you know, having a good healthcare professional there that can give people the right advice and and make sure that um, these junior players have more len- longevity in their careers and, you know, and beyond sport, you know, I think, you know, I've got lots of friends that work in uh, high level, high level sport, and they work from, you know, football academies and uh, Premier League football academies and, you know, the approach is completely different. And I think some of it is to do with funding because they can afford to pay for a full-time physiotherapist, and then that person can manage the players and their loads and all the things that they need to do to get back to it. I know they're a lot more strict in those environments, but like I said, I always I, I always encourage people you, if you've got an injury, go and get it checked out by a physiotherapist or a healthcare professional, a doctor, a sports med doctor, or someone like that early because there's probably something you can do about it and we can make sure that it's nothing too serious so that you can get back and, and and do the things that you want to do. That's one of the ways that, you know, one of the things that I pride myself on is that when someone has an injury, I won't make them just do nothing. I will make sure that you are keeping your fitness up and I'll find ways for you to do the things that you like to some capacity so that you can get back a little bit better and, and more quickly. Um, I think that's a, that's a, that's a really, really important thing.
0: Yeah, definitely. If, if there's any sort of sportsman or, or, or athletes watching this, it's definitely nine times out of ten. If you take care of your injury when it first comes up, you will get back quicker.
1: Um, oh, you'll get back quicker and and you'll and like I say, it's, you'll get more longevity out of the thing that you like doing. Whereas if you just keep, you know, sometimes, you know, biting the bullet, keep trying to, you know, suffer it, keep suffering. it. At some point, it will catch up with you. And when it catches up with you, that could be a really long-term problem and something that stops you from doing even the most simple things. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, as, as, as much as we talked about, they said, you know, trying to be tough and to make you a little bit resilient there, there is a line. And I think that's yeah. where, again, it's like every team should have, you know, some, some form of healthcare professional so they can give them the right advice and the guidance, at least give them the option, because like I said, even today, it's your decision, I, you know, the amount of sports people I've spoken to that you want to rush back into sport. And I say to them, look, if you go back, there is, a, you know, much greater risk of injury, and you could make this worse, and it might be worse for you in the long run. But that's a decision that you have to make. I, I personally wouldn't recommend doing that, but if if that's what you want to do, then it's your choice, right?
0: I think the difference is as well. I've been to I've been to some um, sports therapists, physiotherapists who've never played sport. They've just sort of like left left school, gone to college, become a PT. And that's the extent of their training. I think the fact that you've played it at such a high level um, for such a long period of time is kind of testament to you know what you're talking about when it comes to sports. And I think it helps people listen a lot better to you than they would sort of like the guy who's just done a bit of PT before he went into that sports therapy.
1: Yeah, definitely. I mean I've got I guess I've got skin in the game. I've had horrific injuries, you know, I've had a puck in the face, I tore the <clears> ligaments <throat> in my wrist, I had wrist surgery, I tore the ligaments in my knee, I've had all sorts of injuries. Uh, and I know that that there are times that you can like, you can grit and bear it and, and, and play through it. Uh, you know, I think of a, I remember a time when I think I was away with Great Britain, and I really, really hurt my elbow. I, I remember I like, sprained all the leg, sprained the lig- inside of my elbow. My elbow was like black and blue. But because I was playing for Great Britain at the time and that was really, really important to me and I wanted to play in that tournament. I remember every game they just taped me up and and sprayed my elbow so I so that I could get through it and play it. And then when I got back from the tournament, then that's when I took some time off and recovered from it. So um I think having some skin in the game was like, I can talk to you on a level, I can talk to you, you know, at, at, on a level that you all understand. I say, look, okay, you know, how important is this game? Is it really important? If it's, you know, if the final's coming up and you need to play in this game, then we'll do everything that we can. To allow you to, yeah, whether it's taping you, massaging you, doing all the things, you know, making sure you do the right warm-up, and the right exercises beforehand. I think, yeah, I definitely think that plays in my favour because I said I, I said I can speak to you on a level that, you know, that you understand.
0: Yeah, definitely. So with everything you've got going on now, your clinic is wanting to start your clinic next year and, and everything else. What what are your goals sort of coming up with what you're trying to achieve?
1: What are my goals? I remember I had this one of my one of my old jobs. They asked me, "Is like they have had like this five year plan, or you know what you're trying to achieve?" And I don't ever like to put any kind of hard goals down. I don't like to say like this is where I need to be at this point. I know that works for some people. For myself, it doesn't work. I have more uh, loose goals. I, I, you know, as long as I'm moving forward, you know. Then that's all that really matters. So I kind of know what I roughly want to achieve, but there's lots of different roads that I can take to get there. So, <clears> but you know, looking over the next couple of years, there, it's open my open my own clinic, have a facility there uh, where I can offer you know high class you know physiotherapy to athletes, general popu- you know general the general population. Um, hopefully, you know, at some point, get a couple of other physiotherapists that come come and work for me. Um, offer them a you know an environment where they could develop and become the best that they want to do and more importantly have a job that they really really enjoy and they can learn um just keep building my own kind of my own brand um and again but you know, building some of my further online presence so i'm just gonna i've got some plans and and uh, I've got plans for the next year um and then some of the other things that me and my business partner do is we do a little bit of teaching. So we go to gyms and we teach personal trainers and teach kind of newly qualified physiotherapists, um, using our, our knowledge and expertise. So lots of things kind of in the pipeline to do, but, uh, yeah, we'll see how it all plans out. As I said, we've got a little, uh, thing written up on our, on Google drive or things we need to do. Um, the other thing that I've, I've started to do is obviously I, I work with Gemma, um, is trying to make, you know, build a community in the, in the chunks and Essex area. So, you know, linking up my physiotherapy clinic up with local sports teams like the Chelmsford ice hockey club or for, you know, Romford or anyone in the local area. So that if you have an injury or problem, you can come and, you know, come and see me. And then I can, you know, work with your team's physiotherapist or the junior club's physiotherapist to get you back to sport or whether you want to come in and uh, rehabilitate there. Like I said, I work with a really good number of personal trainers and strength and conditioning coaches. Um, I definitely, definitely think that, you know, a lot of work can be done with in on the professional side of sport, you know, doing better pre-season training for teams to kind of prevent injuries more mm. than kind of be proactive rather than reactive, right? Um, and like I said, the facility I work at, we work with professional golfers, professional MMA athletes, you know, powerlifters. So, you know, we've got we've got the we've got the means to kind of allow people to be successful and to make them a little bit more robust and resilient Um, so yeah it's just building that community more than anything
0: so I just had a thought while I was talking so one of my best things I like doing is try and play dot to dot with my my network Um, I've got a good friend of mine who's a sports agent uh, called Akin he actually just put a deal together with Harlan and a trainer company Um, but obviously he works with a lot of professional sportsmen at a very high level like premiership players, F1 drivers, NFL players um, so I might try and put you two in touch with each other. I think I might. Yeah, I think I think that might work there. Um, right, to wrap up, what I normally do is ask people. Um, so I'm, I'm very much. I like to get in the psychology and, and the mentality of people. And I'm a massive film geek. So I generally ask people, what are your three favourite films? Now, the reason I ask this is because I want to try and understand is, is it the films what you watch as a kid? Made you into the person you are now, or was you already that person and you was already drawn to them? But I feel like you probably don't watch a lot of films and you read more books. So yeah,
1: no, I watch a lot of films in my career. It's a lot of hockey buses and, and time away. So yeah, good film.
0: Give me, give me your three favorite films and your three favorite books.
1: Favorite films: number one, Shawshank Redemption.
0: Yes, great, great film.
1: Absolute banger. Yeah. <laughs>
0: Definitely one of my favourites as well.
1: Really good film. And I think, again, I just loved his tenacity and, again, being consistent, resilient, relentless. You know, that's how he got got himself out, right? Yeah, yeah. Love that. I love Tom Hanks. He's a great guy. Yeah. Um, um, well, I love... It's really difficult, God. I really, really like The Blind Side. Yeah. Yeah, the one with Sandra Bullock in it and the guy that... Um, uh, yeah mate, yeah that was a really really good film
0: yeah all the odds were against him they still come through it
1: yeah and then this is a really difficult one oh I know I'm gonna I'm gonna finish this I'm gonna have to think of all the other films that I really really liked I really like Forrest Gump and I also like Love Actually <laughs>
0: definitely the right <laughs> okay, time for Forrest Love Actually
1: Gump. Forrest Gump I love Forrest Gump that's film I've watched that film so many times
0: yeah yeah, great film. What's your three, three favorite books?
1: This. If you if you ever want to be motivated, this is the number one book.
0: Yeah? Shoot, dog.
1: I read I read I read this recently when I was away. I read it in three days. That's how mm. it is. I literally I could not put it down. The first time I read it, I read it in about two or three days. This is one of the best books you'll ever read.
0: I'm gonna give it a go
1: about the story about Nike and, and how he became as successful as he was and it is just it's just inspiring incredible, incredible really? book yeah, Uh what else have I got, what's oh, a really good book this is a good book this is called Range by David Epstein and it mm. talks a little bit about, I think what I said earlier about you know, he talks about, he uses two examples, he uses um Tiger Woods and then he uses Roger Federer about and he talks about how Tiger Woods is the kind of the prototype of doing one thing since you were two years old become the top of your game. And then Roger Federer, who's someone who did four or five different sports and then actually became really, really good at like fourteen or fifteen, and how the two ways work, but actually having a wide variety of skills is actually better in the long run. But it's a really really good book. Fantastic book. And, is that uh, This is really really difficult i've got a whole load of books here i don't want to say there's some physiotherapy books i'm not going to tell you to read those though that's boring that's not inspiring. <laughs> Something inspiring. this is good i really like his malcolm gladwell's got loads of books they're really good uh this is just one of them it's called blink the power of thinking without thinking oh, i've um, heard of that yeah He's got a whole he's got loads of books. I've got quite a few books. He's got one called The Tipping Point. Um mm.
0: that's,
1: that's really good. I mean the other books I'd recommend. Sorry, I'm going off, going off on one. No, you are. Um, right. He reads some really, really um uh re- he writes some really, really good books. These are really, really difficult to read, but um this guy, this is this is a really good book as well.
0: Yeah. Is that um, is that not the uh, the film? Is that not based on the film? black
1: No. no, no, no. <laughs> he's, got, he's got a whole he's got something called uh he's got a group of books it's called like that it, it's called like the i think it's called like incerto or something like that it's like a collection of books mm. um but that's really really good I'll I be could, I
0: could,
1: I could, i've got i've got a whole bookshelf here
0: yeah stuff. no i have as well i, I love my books um yeah. right Chony, i'm gonna wrap this up but now, I really appreciate you coming on. Um all the years what I've known you and played hockey with you and, and sort of watched you through your career, I always knew that what you are the type of person that everything you do, you you do do well. It's not like it's not luck, it's as you say, it's your, your consistency um and your, your mentality. So you're definitely someone who, who's inspired me over the years. So well, I really appreciate you coming on. Um really appreciate talking to me and, and sort of getting a bit more of an insight to to how you do what you do
1: you for your kind words that's really 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 nice to hear and I said it's been an absolute pleasure. I said it it's uh it's quite I've said I've been lucky enough to see you know you over you over the kind of last 20 years and see kind of where you've been in life and what you've done and like I said yeah I said it's, it's been a pleasure and I said I said thank you for having me on today.
0: Oh, cheers Shani appreciate it. Thank you yeah. so much.